0: welcome to maison for the podcast i'm your host molly hill this podcast is all about natural living and how to get there without stressing out we'll discuss easy tips to help create a healthier home natural ways to care for our bodies and so much more Welcome back to part two of my talk with Dr. Sarah Villafranco. In part one, we discuss some commonly asked beauty questions. And in this part, we're going to talk more about some skin issues, specifically perioral dermatitis. All right, so moving on to the next topic. This isn't a question that I get very often, but it's something that I wanted to ask you about while I have you here. And that's uh, perioral dermatitis. Um, and that's something that you actually have. And then also along with being a doctor and having a skincare brand, you've been able to kind of attack it from all angles and figure out what works, what doesn't. And so I've gotten some great advice from you about how to handle it as I've discovered that I actually have it as well. So um, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on, well, first of all, a lot of people may even have it and not realize it. So kind of an overview of what it is, uh, what are the symptoms and how you've been able to successfully treat
1: it. Yeah, it's it's really unbelievably prevalent. Um, so many people have it, and it sort of acts like a cross between acne and eczema. And it shows up as redness in sort of around the sides of your nostrils and then kind of down your laugh lines and on your chin. And it can be more like acne, In that distribution or it can look more like eczema where the skin is kind of red and flaky and feels tight and irritated or it can be a mixture so it can be like flaky tight and actual pimple-like bumps it's incredibly frustrating and so many people have it it's just incredible how many people have it so The way I like for people to sort of start understanding perioral dermatitis, which I, as you said, I've become like an accidental expert in it. Like if you Google (laughs) perioral dermatitis, you're going to find me Um, because I had it and I have it. It's not, it's not really something you get rid of because it's not a diagnosis the way appendicitis or uh, the flu. Those are diagnoses where once you know what it is, you kind of know the cause, right? That's not the case with perioral dermatitis. I think of perioral dermatitis, which I am now going to call PD because I don't feel like continuing to say perioral dermatitis. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think of PD almost like a fever, like it's a symptom, and we don't know what the cause is because it's different for every fever, right? Like in some cases, the flu causes the fever, in some cases, appendicitis causes the fever, in some cases, it's whatever, it's heat stroke. Um, The same is true with perioral dermatitis in that every person who has it has a different constellation of causes that have pushed the skin into this stress response that shows up as PD. Um, So for some people, it is um, hormones of pregnancy, for example. For some people, it's a history of steroid use on the face. For some people, it's stress and stress alone. For a lot of people, especially in the beauty industry, it's using heavy balms and oils um, instead of products that have a water component in them. Um, and so it's really challenging to address the questions because <laughs> that people have because it's like, well, it's not going to be the same cause for you as it is for her. Yeah. Um, so it can happen at any age. It happens to kids all the time, especially asthmatic kids who take steroid inhalers. Um, and it can happen to women of menstruating age and then it can happen to, to elderly people too. And yes, it can happen to men. So it's kind of, you know, it, it, it affects everyone and I'll run through kind of like the top, um, causes. Okay. So the, so the first cause, which I think is diminishing because some awareness has started to grow, hopefully because of how loud I've been screaming about it in part, (laughs) um is the use of steroids on the face so basically when dermatologists when you go see a dermatologist with a rash of any kind they reach for the prescription pad to write you a steroid prescription before you finish the sentence yeah. right um there are probably 10 rashes that we as physicians can look at and be like boom i know exactly what this is the rest of them it's like huh okay, well, yeah, I don't know. That's weird. Let's try this. Let's try this yeah. steroid and see if it'll calm it down. And it will. It is going to make it magically disappear. And guess what happens when you stop using the steroids? Oh, does it come back even oh worse? My God, so much worse. It's horrible. It's so horrible. And it's called topical steroid withdrawal. Oh. And that often happens in the same pattern as perioral dermatitis. I just had this amazing woman down in florida who's a journalist her uh instagram account is Frances wang tv i think um and francis had been using steroids on her face kind of she knew they were steroids but she had no idea that she shouldn't be using them chronically and she kept going to the dermatologist and kept having little you know rashes or flares or a little bit of eczema type symptoms or more like breakout type symptoms. she kept getting steroid prescriptions and at no point did anyone say to her, by the way, like when you stop using this, your face is going to explode oh my and gosh. her face did. And so she found me and I worked with her a lot and I, and she had, you know, some really good input from some other people as well. But, um, she was just a great, she's been, she's a, um, news anchor down in Miami. And so she actually had had to wear makeup, like cakes of makeup for a long term months to try to cover this because she's on television. Um, and finally she got so sick of it that she was like, Oh my God, I'm going to do a story about this. So she bravely like posted all of these pictures of her poor face when it was in like its worst possible state and shared her story. And so many people have like, you know, come out of the woodwork with this topical steroid withdrawal. Um, who have been suffering like Francis was. So it's something that I think dermatologists are, they're starting to be like, Ooh, maybe I should be a little more cautious with these drugs. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <You think>? So, <laughs> so steroids use, like that was kind of the leading cause of perioral dermatitis. And then ironically they would get treated with steroids. Right. So that was obviously like a hideous cycle. Yeah. Um, most dermatologists who have read any literature in the last five or 10 years will not prescribe steroids for, uh, for PD anymore. So that's, that's a step in the right direction. Um, so that's number one. Um, fluoride toothpaste is definitely a trigger for dermatitis. So I make sure that everybody stops using fluoride toothpaste as soon as they notice symptoms of PD and SLS. You've heard me preach uh, about SLS endlessly and, Sodium laurel or sodium laureth sulfate. It's a foaming agent. It's in your toothpaste. It's in your shampoo. It's in your laundry detergent. It's in your dish soap. It's in everything that makes bubbles. Yeah. Except our soap. It is not in our soap. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so SLS is in so many things. And that's the example I gave earlier where that woman was like, oh no, my laundry detergent, fine. It's free and clear. Which is, it's fair, right? For her to think, no, this is healthy. But even beyond that, um, you know, even like uh, Seventh Generation, for example, you know, it's perfectly good company, and they're using a plant-derived version of SLS. It is biodegradable, but it still really triggers dermatitis. And so, same with like Tom's toothpaste, they have SLS in some of their um, toothpaste. So you have to actually look at the ingredients and make sure that sodium laurel or laureth sulfate, and I would avoid. You know, stuff that sounds like it. Sodium, laurel, sulfoacetate. You know, like we don't have the bulk of data like we do with SLS. So SLS, the reason we have so much data is because it, first of all, it was developed as an engine degreaser. Wow. People are like, well, geez, if it degreases the engine, maybe it'll take off makeup too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and it does as a matter of fact, um, but it leaves your face looking like you got run over by that engine. So, um, so the thing is that when people like, uh, let's say you develop, you came up with like a Maison pure soothing cream, right. And you wanted to take it to market and you went and you needed to do some testing to see if your cream actually soothed. Right. The mm-hmm. way that you create the irritation to soothe with your soothing cream is SLS. It's used in every animal skin irritation study there is. Oh, wow. And it's used at a, at a higher concentration than it is in most um, you know, personal care products. But, but it's still being used daily in multiple products by most people.
0: Well, yeah, and I was so, going to say the sheer exposure
1: of just all exactly. the different sources is exactly. probably exactly, exactly. So skin is starting to speak up. Skin's like, you know what? I'm tired. I'm tired of you, you know, stripping me down with this stuff. Stop degreasing my engines. <laughs> um, so SLS is a really big one, and it's a pretty hard one to get rid of. So that's another one. Um, synthetic fragrance is a skin irritant for many, many people, and so that needs to go. And then, um, stress, and this is where people tune out and they're like, yeah, yeah, stress, whatever. Um, you can't tune it out with PD. Unfortunately, you have to manage stress in a real and active and meaningful way. Um, because otherwise it's not going to go away. And so that doesn't include staying up until three in the morning, Googling overnight cures for PD, Right. right? It doesn't include like standing in the magnifying mirror for hours at a time, like lamenting your state. You have to remember that your skin's not doing anything to you. It's simply speaking to you. It's just saying, hey, like I am I am in distress here because things are not balanced. And you just have to figure out what things are not balanced. Sometimes it's hormone related. Like whenever I had a PD flare, it was almost always around my cycle. Um, And even now, I mean I've had it for 10 years. Even now, occasionally I'll see like a whisper of it. You probably wouldn't notice it looking at me, but I can see that, oh, here it comes. Like, you know, maybe I forgot to take my evening primrose oil supplements for a couple of days. Oops, I better get back on those. Or I've been drinking a lot of coffee, and coffee can be an exacerbating factor. Um, So you have to kind of get to know your dermatitis and accept it as like your protector. It's, it is your, for that's how I've come to think of mine. It's like, it's my barometer. It's like a health barometer. And so if it starts to show up, it's like, Sarah, what's out of balance?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting take because it is Mm -hmm. almost like
1: a warning sign. So if it's popping up, it's letting you know something's not right here. Something's not right. And it's the thing that people really get in this mindset of why is my skin doing this to me? And you got to have a little more compassion for your skin. Because it all your skin ever wants to do is its job. And its job is to keep the good stuff in and the bad stuff out. Yeah. And so whenever something pops up, whether it's acne or eczema or any other flare, it's just a little flag for you. It's time for you to sit down. And most of the problem is going to be unrelated to what you're putting on your face. <laughs> most of the problem is going to be what you're putting in your body every day and how you're managing your stress and then in some cases you can really address it with some simple skincare changes so for me when i was at my worst with dermatitis and i had seen dermatologists and i had been offered many prescriptions i um happened to be playing with a soap formula at the time and it was this black clay soap and so I made it and it has dead sea mud in it and I started using it on my face and my dermatitis started to go away and I was like wait a minute and then I stopped using it and my symptoms came back and then I started and they started to recede again and I was like oh I might be onto something here so um, so I'm grateful to my dermatitis for that too. Cause our black clay facial soap is our most cult favorite top selling product now. And it's helped like thousands and thousands of faces. So
0: it's what I use every day and I love it. Yeah,
1: I do too. It's like my little friend.
0: Um, now I was going to ask you also about food because I've shared this probably this happened like four years ago. So any newer, uh, readers don't know, but Uh, I had a rash that was on my leg for like probably a year. It was – about the size of my palm. I went to my doctor who promptly sent me to the dermatologist. And when promptly I promptly gave you a
1: steroid cream,
0: she did. That's the first. Mm-hmm. She, well, she goes, Well, you're probably allergic to synthetic fragrance. And I was like, Listen, you do not know who I am. <laughs> there yeah. is no uh-huh. synthetic fragrance in my house. And mm-hmm. she, she gave me the steroid cream prescription, which I never filled. And like a week later, or I shouldn't say a week later, it was a few weeks later, I was doing a review of a book called Skin Cleanse, and it's a, more for your oh, face. Oh, Dina's but- book. Yeah. And so yeah. I did the elimination diet, which is all your typical bad guys, gluten, uh, dairy. And in that was eggs, which I eat. I did eat a lot of as a vegetarian. And um, sure enough, at the end of the two weeks, my rash, of my leg went away, which I wasn't expecting. And then as huh. I was adding the food back in, when I added eggs in, it came back. When I stopped eggs, it, Amazing. you know, it, yeah. yeah. So Um, So I was just wondering also if there was like a food component to this.
1: Um, I would say more specifically, there's a dietary component to it. So it's not like I can say that for all people, gluten causes dermatitis symptoms, but I can say that diet can cause dermatitis symptoms, but the the trigger is not going to be the same for everyone, which again, just adds to the profoundly frustrating nature of this condition. Um, I stopped eating gluten probably five years ago <clears throat> just because it makes my stomach hurt. Um, and <laughs> I was tired of walking around with a stomach ache. And so that has helped that a good deal. But I think it probably helped my skin too. Um, and I know for some people, like um, it's sort of a cousin of eczema, so like a pretty close cousin of eczema. And I know probably three or four people now who have stopped eating corn, which is really hard for the gluten-free people of the world like me. Um, But corn can be like a pretty specific trigger. So I think, you know, really, it's not so much about the, the food. It's about maybe doing a diary and doing an elimination diet where you take some of the common offenders out and then like you did, introduce them slowly and keep notes on what's going on. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. And I think, I mean, again, like it's like a, uh, it's kind of like whack-a-mole. It's like, okay, so you, (laughs) you get your diet thing under control, but if then you turn into like a total like freak show about your diet, then the stress mole pops up and you have to whack the stress back down because now you've made yourself into an anxiety case. By having the food journal and asking forty-seven questions of every waiter every time you go anywhere, <laughs> so it's like you—you got to find a balance in, in in the game of PD Whack-a-Mole.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think like you said, it could be different for anybody, but I think just knowing like if you kept a food journal,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, well, it's easy to stress about the food and everything. Uh, but I do think it's almost empowering because I had no idea. I, I used to eat eggs so often and now that I don't eat them, you know, obviously the rash is gone, but it was probably doing other things inside of me as well. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, so that's exactly right. I mean, it's just a manifestation at the surface of, of, a state of unrest that's internal. You know, in most cases, I mean, sometimes there's a situation like poison ivy where it's literally just a skin exposure and it's a skin reaction. It's not a manifestation of something deeper. Right. Right. But I think, um, the, the food journal can really help. And the the two things that I know for sure cause trouble are coffee and cinnamon, which is a downer because a latte with a little sprinkle of cinnamon is quite delightful. I hadn't yeah, I actually Mm -hmm. I I do drink coffee, so I should Mm -hmm. probably watch that. I do too, but I I just put it to weekends. So now Saturday and Sundays are my coffee days and I don't do it during the week and my PD is fine with that. Good. That's good to know. Yeah. And that's like that's the answer to everything for the most part. I mean there are some situ if you're celiac, you need to abstain from gluten. Period. End of story. There's no flexibility. But most situations, moderation is the answer. I don't abstain from alcohol, but drinking it moderately is important. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's not, it really isn't okay to have, you know, 15 drinks a week. It's not, your body doesn't need that. But is it okay to have four drinks a week? Probably it's fine. You know? So finding that in between point again, Trump, Sanders, right? Like, let's, let's find something that actually, let's return to our senses, find yeah. some kind of a moderate, <laughs> like approach to health and wellness that still has joy in it, that still feels alive and spontaneous and wonderful. But you got to Yeah, you got yeah, to do some homework for a while. The journal, it's a pain. It's, it's a hassle, but you, you do your homework. And then you then again, you're making your informed decision.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, Well, I so appreciate your time today and you bringing your wisdom and your voice on here on the podcast. I'm Um, excited
1: for your podcast. I hope it is gangbusters.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you. I hope so too. (laughs) Yeah, super Um, fun. I'm going to link your site and, of course, all the places to follow you. You guys will love following along with her. I highly recommend it. Um, (laughs) But anyways, thank you again, and I hope you have a wonderful – Oh, actually, there's a question I've been asking people that have come on. I almost forgot Mm -hmm. because we got so deep into conversation. Yeah. Um, What does natural beauty mean
1: to you? That's so funny. I had somebody ask me that question. And I wrote a really eloquent response to it on an Instagram post last summer. Now I'm not going to remember how smart <laughs> and eloquent I was. Um, I think, you know, we've covered it for the most part on this podcast where it is sort of the combination of practices and rituals and daily habits that make you feel most comfortable and alive and confident in your own skin. And I think it's really that simple. It's this sort of decision to uh, contribute to your health and to have a little fun and to um, to live in joy. Yeah, I love that answer. Well, you certainly do a good job of it by following you. I can see that you have a really bright spirit and um, I so appreciate people like you, Molly, because you're, you're sharing really high quality information and hopefully getting people to, um, you know, learn more and make great choices for themselves.
0: Well, thank you. That's a pretty big compliment, especially coming from you. So I appreciate that.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks, Sarah. All right. Have a great
0: day. You too. Sa vie.
1: C'est le fin mot du savon